After leaving teaching because of some serious burnout, she vowed to build the community she wished existed when she needed it most. She went from classroom teacher to an educational consultant, instructional designer, and six-figure business owner. Now, she's here to help you achieve happiness and work-life balance, whether inside or outside the classroom. Come join our discussion as we talk about managing teacher burnout, career transitions outside the classroom, starting a side hustle, and everything in between. Here's your host of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast and your new personal cheerleader, Daphne Gomez. Welcome to the Teacher Career Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Daphne Gomez. In this interview, I speak with Brittany Fisher. Brittany was a special education teacher for six years and a visual art teacher for three years before career changing into UX design. Listen in as Brittany shares her advice for other teachers who are looking to break into the UX world as well. Hi, Brittany. How are you doing? Hey, Daphne. Doing well. How about yourself? I'm great. I am so excited that you're here. And I wanted to start off a little bit and just tell me your journey in education. Sure. Yeah. So my journey in education, um, kind of a traditional path, but not at the same time. I um, started out as an educational assistant in the classroom um, while I was in grad school getting my master's um, in special education. And I went into my master's program as a gen ed kind of major. And then uh, I fell in love with the school I was at. I worked at a special day school for kids with extreme behavior disorders. And so then I switched um, my master's program to special education. So I um, have a master's in special education and was a teacher for nine years before career changing. And six of those years I was in special education. And then the last three I was in uh, fine arts and art because my undergrad degree was in art and design and psychology. So I needed a change up, which I know you have talked about. Uh, on your Instagram a lot of like, you know, trying different things, trying a different role. Um, And so I did that, yeah, for the last three. What ultimately made you start thinking about a totally different career? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say a little bit of burnout mixed with lack of growth opportunities. I'm a very like, I would say driven individual. And, you know, I was looking I think it was I looked at how many years it was going to take before I could retire. And I looked at what my estimated salary was going to be, you know, 30 years from now. And it was only like, you know, nothing. It was like $20,000 more than what you were starting at. Yes. It was like after literally like 40 years of teaching experience, I was going to be making. I think it I think it was even less than 20. I think it was like $15,000 more. And honestly, just the physical limitations of teaching, I was also a coach um, at the time with middle school. So I was pulling, I mean, some days like 12 to 14 hour days on like game nights, you know, you have to wait until everyone leaves. I would get there super early for practice. And I honestly was just thinking about my future life. And like, if I wanted a family, how could I keep up this kind of quick pace of job and be, you know, 50 down the road and have 12 hour days? It was just not... It didn't seem feasible in my head. I know people do it and I am so impressed by, I was raised by two teachers as well. So I know it can be done, but that probably played a factor as well as both my parents were educators. And so I saw, yeah, how how draining it can be in your older years when your body is not physically able to stand for 12 hours a day kind of thing. So 
a little mix of everything. What types of roles were you starting to explore when you were just starting to like formulate this idea of leaving teaching? Sure, yeah. I mean, of course, I thought about going back to school, um, kind of looked at that, you know, do I want to get a PhD? Do I want to get a master's in something else? But again, um, I wasn't thrilled about having to take out student loans because um, obviously as a teacher, I was not going to make enough to pay for that degree um, unless it was like a state sponsored program. So I considered, you know, more education in a different field, maybe administration or something like that. Um, and then originally I thought about going into um, software development, kind of, I feel like that's what you hear, like, oh, coding pays well, it's a relaxing job, good work-life balance. Um, and so that's what kind of led to UX design as I was Googling software development boot camps and came across UX design. And I kind of was like, I've never heard of this. What is this kind of thing? And so then just kind of researched what that was more and decided to go with that. Yeah, I love, I want to circle back a little bit of what you said about going back to school because mm -hmm. that was something that when I started kind of creating resources four years ago about helping teachers transition, it's one of the most common misconceptions that teachers have is that I have this master's in education or maybe just a teaching credential and a bachelor's and all this certification and I lucked out and only had $30,000 in debt and that's good for yeah. like as far as like student debt is concerned, that's, you know, quote unquote good. But going back into school feels like it's your only option. And what I really discovered is that you are able to leverage your experience as transferable experience. School is really great for someone who's coming straight from high school and doesn't have any experience in the industry that they're trying to get into. But teaching, you, you don't want to downplay however many years you've had in education as transferable experience. And usually hiring managers just see a check on the box. Oh, you got a master's? That means you're dedicated towards whatever path. Not necessarily you need a master's in UX design as long as you're able to show, you know, you have experience and you've, you've learned the skills. But I know with something technical like UX design, software engineering, coding, you are going to have to learn the skills somehow. Mm -hmm. So were you able to find affordable or even free resources to help you learn these skills? Yes, kind of a mix of both. Um, depending on who you talk to in the UX world, they'll tell you it can be done with, you know, zero cost. Um, I actually have a friend who didn't even go to college and now is the, you know, senior director at a huge tech company um, and just kind of worked his way up over the last decade. I mean, he was self-taught. So there are a lot of, of course, YouTube videos, educational resources, websites, I mean, communities. The UX community um, is one thing that I found really refreshing everyone is open to helping you kind of find your path within the UX design world. Um, I say everyone, of course, not everyone, but I would say 95% people are willing to help and kind of guide you, give you a recommendation of another, you know, UX podcast to listen to or a book to read or a course to kind of look into or, you know, a connecting um, person. I, I connected actually with a lot of teachers who uh, transition to UX. So, you know, it, it was kind of my safety zone of comfort of like, oh, I came from the same place you came from and you made it. So why can't I kind of thing? Um, so definitely did a lot of 
A lot of, it is a lot. So one thing I would say to anyone thinking about it is a lot and you have to be willing to put in kind of the dedication of self exploration within the field. Um, and then I also, of course, did a boot camp. Uh, like I believe the software engineer uh, or software developer you had on did as well. Jessica kind of Wellington on episode <laughs> yeah. six has been a fan favorite of people who did not know that they were even interested in software engineering. Yeah. Listen to that. And they're starting to hear these voices and realize that is a role that I potentially could take. So I'm so happy that you listened to that episode also. I want to slow down a second because mm -hmm. I have some familiarity with like the UX team at one of the tech companies that I worked with. Mm -hmm. I would work with UX designers for some of the products that they have. We would have meetings with them. So I'm pretty familiar. But a lot of people might be like Googling on their phone right now. So, yeah. you know, let's simplify it. What does a UX designer actually do? Great. I'm like, oh, that is the question, right? It's hard to even I struggle explaining it to people. I, I would just say we help craft user experiences. That's what UX stands for um, that you use either on a website or on a mobile application, or I actually work on a lot of internal tools that our employees use, um, to make their literally user experience better, um, as they're using that program. So if you've ever gone onto a website, maybe to say to order food and, you know, there's like a loop, it won't let you check out or something's wrong. Um, I would classify that as poor user experience. So our job is to, you know, work with the software engineers. So they would basically build what we design. Um, and a lot of that design comes from research, which I'm really passionate about. So UX design also has another kind of wing, I'm gonna call it, um, that people specialize in, which is UX research. And then you might also hear UI design, which stands for user interface design. And that would be for someone who is more focused on the visuals and aesthetics and has a really, really fine design eye. Um, and then UX would be somewhere in the middle of kind of a little bit of research, a little bit of design. So there's definitely multiple avenues within user experience um, itself. like apps that we like to use like Instagram they have UX designers that are changing things well you click up in the top right hand corner and that's when that drop down comes you yes you know the double tap for the like all of these things are built for specific reasons and there's mm -hmm. a lot of thought that goes into all of it and I would even say and I'm probably not going to use a company name but there's a <laughs> because I'm going to say something salty but there's a company that owns the entire world basically right now mm -hmm. and the CEO makes a lot of money and it's a joke when you try and cancel your subscription because it's an impossible yeah. um, experience Loop. on their <laughs> website to find out where you can cancel subscriptions that I don't feel like is an accident sometimes and that is yes. very strategically made for companies as well. Yes, yeah, most people would call that experience like where it seems purposefully bad or purposefully to trap you, dark UX. Um, they'll say dark patterns or dark UX, because yeah, I mean, there there are a lot of uh, interesting, I'm gonna say, UI elements and UX elements out there. So you definitely, especially after learning about it now, you see more of them as you go through 
you know, kind of different people's websites or different applications. You're like, oh, I see what you're doing here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm picking up on that. But yeah, um, so, so, so much research goes into, I know you mentioned Instagram apps like Instagram, every single, like they probably have a whole team of UX designers based just around the like experience, you know, studying user behavior and how people are interacting um, with that experience and kind of the heart, you know, someone designed that heart and how it, like you said, the double tap, every little tiny detail within a website or an app um, basically is touched by a UX designer. Uh, and if it's a great company, I would say a UX researcher as well. Because uh, they say the more research, usually the better user experience. And a lot of it, I feel like that's transferable. Just top of mind for me would be, you mm -hmm. know, organization and knowing how people learn and think. So if I go to a website, what are the categories that I'm looking for on this website? And how do I find that information the fastest? How do mm -hmm. I find the product the fastest? How do I check out a product and buy it fast? Because if I'm on the website too long, I might get distracted by something else. And all of that, I think, comes back to you understand your customer and your client. And that comes from being a good teacher. Mm -hmm. Being a good teacher, being a good listener, um, and having the ability to kind of change what you're doing quickly. Um, you'll hear in the UX field a lot, you know, we're going to iterate on that design, iterate on that design, basically meaning we're going to change the design based on the feedback we just received. And I feel like there is no one else that does that more than a teacher, you know, mid lesson, a problem arises and you have to pivot. So I definitely think that skill set is 100% transferable um, to the UX design world. Uh, as a special education teacher, I did a lot of um, behavior analysis, you know, taking data on student behaviors and doing behavior observations, uh, kind of forming these hypotheses around the student's behavior. Um, and it's literally, I mean, so, so similar into what you do with UX research with user interviews when you're interviewing, you know, a user for your program or you're doing a user uh, usability test, seeing how someone, like you said, interacts, where do they go immediately go? What do they click on the most? Um, so yeah, it's, that's what actually piqued my interest originally as I was reading um, about UX research and UX design. And I was like, oh my gosh, I already do all of this. I do all of this. Like it was like the aha moment. Um, and it was just like, okay, now I have to figure out how to fine tune it uh, for the UX world, learn their language. And kind of like you said, just kind of slide those skills over into a new platform, basically. When you were exploring this and you felt like you were getting really excited and starting <laughs> to, you know, find a path that you were excited about, I'm sure you faced challenges along the way. What do you feel like was one of the most challenging things that you had to overcome while you were transitioning out of teaching? Oh, challenging things. Just not giving up, honestly. Um, the UX world right now is very competitive for what they call junior designers. So that's basically someone that's either new to the field or has less than two years of experience. Um, because so many people are transitioning to that, I guess you could say UX world right now. Um, and so just not giving up. You know, I got a million rejection emails before I got my first interview, um, and I knew that going in, you know, but it didn't make it any less easier. Rejection is never fun, you know, so I think just kind of sticking with it, continuing to learn, continuing to network, continuing to kind of push forward um, was the hardest thing because <laughs> it can be challenging and not to get discouraged and 
think, what am I doing? I'm leaving something I have a master's degree in, you know, just that kind of internal monologue of imposter syndrome too. Yeah. And I know as many times as we say it, I say it, you're saying it right now. Like we all felt that same feeling for people who are listening right now who are on their 50th rejection. They are listening to this and thinking it's just them. They are the ones who aren't going to make it. They are the Mm -hmm. ones who aren't going to get that job and X, Y, and Z. And honestly, the best piece of advice is just it only takes one single yes. If that's all you want, it's a it's a big step, but it is a very small thing in the scheme of your life is it only takes one person to say yes and you just have to keep pushing until you get there and you can be doing every single thing right and Mm -hmm. the universe just hasn't aligned yet you know they might be hiring Katie from HR's cousin because they're getting a referral bonus for it or someone might have six months of experience and you're coming in with zero experience in that particular industry and it's always gonna be right around the corner you just have to continue to push for it and I'm sure even you right before you got this particular yes you probably thought a week before shoot I might give up yeah what's hilarious is of course it literally happened like that I remember posting something on my personal Instagram like a week before I got my job offer being like, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. You know, I'm really feeling discouraged and all of that. And then, yeah, boom. Next week, I connected with someone through a Slack channel um, for the city that I live in, got an interview, interview went amazing. And then, boom, I was offered a job and I've been there ever since. And I am so happy. It's the best thing I've ever done. I can honestly say that. Best change (laughs) for work-life balance, just mental health, everything, for sure. I want to talk a tiny bit more about the interview process because there are some roles that do require portfolios, instructional design, graphic design, um, UX, I'm certain will as well. Not every job needs a portfolio. Just a disclaimer Mm -hmm. right now, if you're going into like account management or sales of some sort, most of those do not need that. But if it's something that's very visual and you don't have a lot of experience, your gut instinct is what teacher supplies can I throw in here? And that is not best practice. (laughs) Please do not throw your teaching supplies in. But Brittany, how did you actually create your UX portfolio? Yeah, so this was one of the main reasons I know we talked about earlier kind of paths to UX. This is one of the main reasons I chose to do a, a, they call it an immersive boot camp. So it was 12 weeks, um, eight hours a day, all day, every day, basically like a mini college, you know, like 12 weeks of intensive learning. And I definitely would say it was intense. But one of the reasons I chose that route was because they guaranteed you um, a real world project that you could uh, put in your portfolio. And that was something that was super important to me. Um, A lot of UX designers starting out will struggle with that because, you know, people want to see things that have been built um, and developed. And so if you don't have a real world client project, um, it's not a knock against you, but a lot of people get in their head about that. Oh, I don't have real world projects that have been created yet. So I liked that aspect. Um, And actually, I got three projects to put in my portfolio from my boot camp. A lot of friends did nonprofit work to redesign their website or they had a friend who had a business and redesigned their website to use in their portfolio. There's definitely a ton of different ways to get that kind of first article or case study for your portfolio. 
Um, and then of course, there's never ending articles online. Um, anyone looking into UX should become very familiar with the Nielsen Norman group. Um, I can send you an email of how to spell that and all of that <laughs> to link. Um, but they're basically like the who's all and all of UX and they have a ton of guides, how to build your first case study, um, what people wanna see in your portfolio. Um, and then another website that I would highly recommend is ADP, uh, I wrote it down, adplist.org. And that's like A as in Apple, D as in dog, P as in play, um, list.org. And on that website, they do what are called a ton of portfolio reviews. So they'll have people come in from Instagram and Google or, you know, Chase Bank, and they will randomly select from a list of people that submitted their portfolios and just review them live. Um, and I went to probably about five or six of those. They're an hour long each and just learned, just watched. Oh, I like what they did in their portfolio. They said, don't do this. No one's going to read that. It's too long. And I just kind of started building my case studies based off of their feedback um, of observing others. I was always too nervous to submit mine. Um, so I just learned from, yeah, by them observing others. Um, and on that website too, you can also get a design mentor for free. Um, which was really helpful. I did that as well and had someone one-on-one, -on -one, it's a little less intimidating, have someone review my portfolio and my case studies because almost every uh, application for UX design will require you to have a portfolio of, they say usually at least three different case studies. Were you doing all of these steps while you were still in the classroom? So yes and no. I actually have a really <laughs> interesting kind of spin on this. So I I knew I was going to leave teaching. I had made up my mind and I was originally planning to take this class. Um, I did General Assembly 12 week immersive boot camp uh, in person. They offered it in person and I was going to do this class in Denver in the summer, you know, because teachers have summer off. It was going to be perfect. Well, COVID hit. And so all of their learning programs turned to online. And at this time, I was still teaching virtually. Um, for, for my job. And I kind of had to make a decision. Do I want to start this program earlier? Because I don't think I was supposed to start until like July. And I actually made the choice to move it up to May. So for two weeks, I did the program and taught online because at the time we were just having to upload videos. So I would upload all my lesson videos and literally answer student comments and questions on my breaks during class. Um, but then the rest, of course, I was on summer break for that. But yeah, it was an intense month of May last year for sure. And that's one thing that I know like Jessica Wolvington talked about in her podcast episode is there were people who that just in the boot camp themselves were kind of breaking down. And she's like, I'm oh, used sure. to this. I was a third grade teacher. Yeah. <laughs> like this <laughs> amount of stress is yeah. not ideal, but worth it in the long run and manageable for me. Did you feel that you were able to you know, handle that stress a little bit better than even other people in the in the class? Yeah, I would say so. Um, probably just my personality too. I had prepped before the boot camp to try to learn as much as I could on my own so that when I got to, you know, quote unquote class, I wouldn't be as overwhelmed. Um, but anything you do for that long of a time, like kind of concentrated in this little almost like think tank is pretty intense. Um, but yeah, I definitely didn't there were people who, who had breakdowns and 
you know, couldn't handle it. We had a few people drop out if I'm being explicitly honest. Um, but yeah, I was able to handle it. And like I said, while I was still teaching and answering, you know, parent emails and kids questions, how do I upload this? How do I do this kind of thing? So definitely teaching prepares you for the unpredictable, honestly, and to how to manage multiple things at the same time, for sure. about the work-life balance in your new position? I could not love it more. I honestly, I sometimes it was this weird transition. When I first got hired, teachers are always go, 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 right? We, we have one class after the other. We don't really have breaks. I literally didn't know what to do like with my free time. I didn't know what to do with my free time at first because, you know, not every second of the day, I was working on something, you know, either it was in between projects or we were waiting on, you know, some product like, I don't know, questionnaire to come back, something to come back. Um, and you kind of have these little breaks throughout the day. And I literally was like, I've never had a break. I don't know what to do. How do I just sit here and not feel guilty? Because like, I know you've talked about teacher guilt too, but I felt almost guilty at first because I had more free time than I've ever had in my adult career. Um, so that was an interesting, I was not expecting to feel that way. Um, but honestly, I remember telling my husband, I want to like do things after work. Now I want to go to the grocery store. I'm like excited to cook dinner. Um, I go out and see my friends more because I am not so drained, you know, at the end of the day, especially, um, when I was working with kids with, you know, severe emotional behaviors, it was very hard to leave their trauma and their um, struggles at school. Like I definitely was one of those people that had a hard time not worrying about them at home or kind of bringing some of that baggage home with me. Um, so I literally can close my laptop at the end of the day now and not have a worry in the world. And it is the most relieving feeling I think I've ever experienced. Um, there's of course going to be deadline days where, you know, might be I would say level one stress, like, you know, you got to get your, your stuff done and get in, but it is nothing like the teaching grind, I'm going to call it. When talking about work-life balance, I think a lot of teachers who are struggling and burnt out, like exactly where I was my last year of teaching, they see something yeah. and like on paper, UX designer, software engineer, this sounds very complicated and like counterintuitive for a place to have better work-life balance. And one mm -hmm. thing that I realized after I left the classroom is I also started to feel so much lighter. And even mm -hmm. the really complicated roles, I was teaching coding camps, I was doing things that I wasn't necessarily feeling like I would have been ready for if you would have told me four months prior. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is decision fatigue. Because right mm -hmm. now you have the ability to just focus and learn one new thing without, and I don't know in how many students you would have in special education, but for me, I had 30 tabs open in my brain at all times about all of the different directions everything could be doing. And then mm -hmm. I had grading papers and all the tasks I needed in the beginning of the day and the very end of the day. And that really weighs on your brain after years of doing it so after you leave you realize that it's not me I'm not broken that was just not how my brain 
like it's not the ideal situation for my brain. Yes. Yeah. It's that's totally true. And the decision fatigue, because um, as an art teacher, that was the other thing. So the last three years of my teaching career, I taught middle school art um, and elementary art for one of the years. And yeah, I mean, handling, I think I saw, I had like 30 to 40 kids a class. It was unmanageable, to be honest, for middle schoolers. And yeah, it it was just putting out fires all day, all day. And so to not be kind of in that fight or flight mode um, all day is really nice to not have to, you know, you might only be putting out one fire versus 20. That's the best way I can describe it. It's like you said, you can focus your efforts into one solid task. Um, it definitely is hard in the beginning. Like you said, it's, it is learning a new skill. I had to learn all new, you know, digital programs. I watched YouTubes on how to learn these programs. And I think the first month of my job, I was like, can I do this? Like, you know, you kind of have that self doubt and everything, but I always would tell myself it's only hard once uh, in the beginning, you know, you only have to learn this once. And then once you know it, you just have to reuse it basically. And so that was kind of the internal monologue I had on those days where I thought, oh, this is so, like you said, very technical. I've never used this program before. I don't know that language, um, like technology language they're using. Um, And I just kept telling myself, you only have, it's only hard once in the beginning. Everyone started somewhere, like even the senior directors of design. I tell myself, you know, they were once a person who just started out too. No one just magically wakes up with all these technical skills. You can learn the skills, um, but you can't learn, you know, the drive to learn the skills. So I think if you definitely have a passion to learn something and help others, then you'll be, you'll be good to go. Do you feel like you still have that teacher heart where you're starting to help others at your work environment, like helping show them the ropes if they're a new hire. Yeah, that was actually one of the things that drew me into UX design um, because you are helping people. Like right now I help our internal teams get their job done better. And it's like such a high of a feeling when you get a note from one of them that say, oh my gosh, I just used the new app you designed and it saved me, you know, two hours of my day. See, there's still a lot of that. um, That's important for me. Like I'm a very passionate driven person of helping others. And so that was important to me um, and something it allowed me to be creative still and help others. Those were two things that were super important to me because I think I'll always have that teacher heart of like, oh, I want to help people grow and learn and all of that jazz. But um yeah, that's kind of what drew me to UX to begin with, um, besides the overlap of skills. I was like, oh, uh, this really seems like it could be a great, great thing. I also heard you mention your, I think you said it was like your director or your senior director, and that um, sparks a good question. Mm-hmm. What type of career trajectory do you see or career growth path do you see with a role like UX design? Even if you stayed in it for 10 years and would be happy, Mm -hmm. you know, which I'm sure financially you are doing pretty good right now. I'm just assuming and I hope you don't mind me saying that. (laughs) But there's, you know, there's so much growth in these types of companies. What could you do with this experience? Yeah, I mean, there's, I hate to say endless, but it feels like endless coming from teaching growth opportunities. You know, even I've only worked there nine months. I've already gotten a raise which is like unfathomable as a teacher at six months, you know, I had my like little chat evaluation and I got a raise because they were really pleased, you know, with my first six months on the job. 
Um, so things like that, you just wouldn't get in the teaching world that I was really, you know, it feels good to have someone say, wow, I've noticed your effort and here's a little money to go with it. You know, I don't, I'm not driven by the money, but it's always nice, right. To, to get that recognition. Um, of course, as you move up in companies comes more benefits of all sorts. Um, I have stock for the first time in my life, uh, which is also new to me. And, you know, working at a tech company of equity that will vest after one year, which is super great. Um, Cause I feel like people worry about that a lot. Like, oh, teacher retirement and all this stuff. And I feel like I already have made in the nine months I've been working there more for my retirement than I did in my nine years of teaching, which feels crazy to say. Um, so there's a lot of growth um, kind of for family planning and whatever you want to do down the road for retirement. Um, you can lead a team of people. I have several bosses that are in it in a way teachers themselves that manage, you know, our team of UX designers and UX researchers. Um, so that's really appealing to me, too, of course, because I love, you know, helping people grow and learn in their own careers. And, you know, you can always reach the top of the top and be like the president of design or president of Google, whatever you um, are striving for. That, I mean, I felt the exact same way. I've worked at Mm -hmm. an education company that I was able to get stock. I am no longer there, but I still have stock in this company. And eventually someday, should they go public, then I'm able to, you know, redeem whatever amount of money it's worth at that point. And Mm -hmm. it's something that I had never considered before. And that's one of the advantages. A lot of people look for startup companies because of that equity Mm -hmm. that they usually bring. But I mean, I would also caution anyone, don't put all of your eggs in one basket. Don't let somebody underpay you and say, because I feel like I just watched the WeWork documentary and that's what they're like. (laughs) That's what they're like, okay, everyone, we're not really Mm going to pay you. But I wanted to ask one last question while I still have you. And it's kind of a tough one, but I feel like it's important for everybody to reflect on is what do you feel was the biggest thing that you learned about yourself throughout this entire process? Who learned about myself? Uh, Probably that you can do whatever you put your mind to as long as you keep going with it. Um. A lot of my friends, you know, who are in education, they'll say to me, you know, I can't believe you just decided, you know, to them, it's like I just decided one day that I was going to change careers and then did it. And I'm like, well, you know, I didn't have another option. I kind of was one of those people that was like, okay, I'm going to do this and there's no looking back kind of thing. Because I do feel like if you teeter, you'll always be in that like one foot in, one foot out position. Um, so I did, I probably planned for a year before I took the leap to sign up for the boot camp and had really, you know, thought it out. Um, and so I would say, yeah, just if you really think about things and kind of get your plan in place, get your family support or your friends support, whomever you have, um, and just go for it and not, like you said, not give up until you're where you want to be because it, it does exist and you can do it. <laughs> I would also add to that beautiful statement when you are looking for support, potentially just people outside of education, not yes. your teacher colleagues, because there can be some negative vibes thrown at you, which make you feel more guilty about your decision, or also that they tried it once and it didn't work for them and they gave up. Yeah. And that is the data that they have is that it's impossible <laughs> and you are stupid for trying. And... So I love 
so much of what you just said right there. And I am just so happy for you. This has been so much great information, which I will put all in this episode's show notes. Um, I just want to thank you so much, Brittany, for coming on and sharing this story because there are so many teachers who are actually interested in these types of roles. And these are really, you know, starting to pop up everywhere right now. Mm -hmm. They are. I would say I get a LinkedIn message like at least once a week from a teacher that's either thinking about getting into UX research or UX design um, or is in research and design and they want to either like come to my company or have an interview question or an internship question. Um, So I definitely think it is it is a skill set that is very transferable to this uh, field if you know how to spin it, you know, and carry that experience over and just have that confidence that you can do it. I think that's the most important thing is confidence. Um, yeah, I'm believing in yourself. I read a really great book called Everything is Figure Outable that has definitely shaped my um mindset around it because it is challenging so i'll link that today also but thank you thank you thank you this has been such a great conversation and i just really appreciate you being here yes i will i love that and thank you so much for having me and i do think i it's blank right now but i am looking at maybe starting an instagram that is going to focus on teachers transferring to ux design um because i have endless resources and websites and links and people to follow on linkedin Um, So anyone who wants to reach out to me on LinkedIn, feel free to shoot me a message and say, you know, you came from the podcast and I will, uh, I need to just start a spreadsheet of resources to send to people (laughs) because I get, I get them so much, but yeah. Um, And then I'm going to start posting, hopefully we'll see on teachers in tech underscore um, just because I get so many inquiries. It's like kind of like what you did for general career change. It's just never ending people asking questions. (laughs) Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Brittany. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Daphne. I want to give a huge thank you to Brittany for coming on to share her advice with this audience. If this episode was interesting to you, you may also want to go back and revisit episode 42 for another related career and my interview with a learning designer. If you've been finding this podcast helpful, do us a favor and help us spread the word that it even exists. Share the Teacher Career Coach podcast on your Instagram or your Facebook. Leave us a rating or review and just help us let other teachers know that this type of support is out there. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the very next episode of the Teacher Career Coach podcast. Podcast.